Thanks for coming, folks. Um, now, as we covered last week, this whole thing started when I took the oath of office as a city councilman, uh, swearing to protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and realizing at that moment I knew a little bit but not nearly enough of what was in the Constitution. And thus, I've th- since then studied the seven articles of the U.S. Constitution, the 27 amendments. I'm more equipped now. I've done a, a historical study through um, the Declaration of Independence, through the Magna Carta, uh, through the Northwest Ordinance. Uh, we, I can go on and on about what we've done, and we'll cover that in the weeks ahead. Uh, last week, as we took a look uh, at what is America, and uh, first of all, this, this for me is, is not a political uh, event. Um, we're citizens of the United States of America. What makes us Americans? And so we asked that question last week, what is America? And with Aristotle, who said with, with any creation, there's four causes. And so we covered that with a statue of David. Can anyone tell me what the, and I'm going to do this each week, but can anyone tell me what the first cause is for any creation? Material cause. So we have the material cause. And what was it for the statue of David? 17 feet tall, what was it made of? Marble. And for the United States of America, what was the material cause? The land and the people. Now, what was the second cause of the four? Efficiency cause. Uh, and what was it? Who, who, FK, who put it together? Who was the one who? Michelangelo. And uh, who was it for the United States of America? The founders. And by the way, on Sunday, we celebrated 230 years of the signing of the Declaration of, uh, excuse me, of the Constitution of the United States of America, um, September 17th, 1787, 230 years. We've been under the same aspect. So, the founders were the efficiency cause. And what is the third cause? We're going to actually cover the, 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 the two tonight. Formal. What was the form of the statue of David? David. Very good. So impressed with all of you. And what was the form for the United States of America? The U.S. Constitution, which we'll briefly cover tonight. Okay, and then what is the last cause? The final cause. See, look at how if nothing is taught, if nothing is learned, then nothing's been taught. So what was the final cause for the statue of David? We can only guess, but what was it? The love for the subject. Uh, he was creating this 17-foot structure of of defiance for the, the Republic of Florence to look over at Rome and say, don't mess with us, Right? And so it was David, or love, excuse me. And then what was the final cause for the United States of America, or for what is America? The Declaration of Independence. It is a poetic, beautiful document, unlike the Constitution, which is very, you know, hard to understand. Declaration of Independence. So there we go. Now, you've done well, and there will be a test at the end, and if you fail, you don't get breakfast. (laughs) And I'm not serving it, so it doesn't really matter. All right, uh, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take a look at the last two causes, the, the formal cause 
and the final cause. So with the, I'm sorry? Oh, so with the formal cause, we, we obviously have the U.S. Constitution. And I wanted, uh, do we have my set of slides, not the declaration? Uh, which one do we have up? Hello? Oh, all right. Oh, you have the declaration. Right, let's just go through the declaration then. Oh, no, we have that one. Perfect. Okay, so this is in Isaiah 33, 22, and, and it's, it's not my intention, uh, although the question was last week about biblical input. I'm only going to, for, for the sake of this being um, as in a pluralistic society, I'm just going to take a look at uh, inspirations for this. So I want to take a look at one of the verses, and if you look at the last 10 years, or the first 10 years of the congressional record, you look at the number one source quoted by the founders, uh, you have the two treatise of law by John Locke, but the, the main source that's quoted by the founders, and you can do your own history work, and I've done that, is the Bible itself. And this is one of the passages, it's referred to often by the founders, and you can see here in Isaiah 33, 22, for the Lord is our, everyone say judge, the Lord is our, and the Lord is our, he will save us. Now, how many branches are there in the U.S. government? And what are they? Executive, judicial, and legislative. Judge, what would that be? Judicial. Lawgiver, what would that be? Legislative. King, what would that be? Executive branch. Now, you have these three aspects of the form of our government listed here in Isaiah 33:22, And I'm only using this in regards to a reference because in the Declaration of Independence, the final cause, you're going to see God referred to on four occasions in the Declaration of Independence. And there's a significance for it. This is this. Now, by the way, America is not the oldest nation on the face of the earth, while at the same time, America is the oldest nation on the face of the earth. So you have Rome that lasted over a thousand years. And if you add, add the Eastern aspects of Rome with Constantinople, it goes on for hundreds of more years. You look at England itself and you look at the Magna Carta and you look at Parliament and the House of Commons and the king has to knock on the door or the queen has to knock on the door and they're refused entrance. And then finally on the third knock, they're permitted in and you go through all of that. And they've been doing that for almost a thousand years in this one segment of, of the world. Government has existed in that area for quite a long time. So obviously those governments are older, but why is America the oldest government? Because we are now going on, what, 241 years under the, the, the birth certificate, the Declaration of Independence, while every other government on the face of the earth has changed their form of government many times. You can do your history lesson, look how many times Russia has changed their government, Poland has changed their government, you can see this, Italy's changed their government, France has changed their government, but the United States of America for 241 years has been under one article, and as we took a look last week at this idea of the statue of David, we had the word statue, which is this idea of an immovable object, and then there was a cognate, which is the idea that the root word has a Latin meaning. What other word is a cognate to statue? Statute. And then what is another cognate that we found that's very fascinating in relation to both statue and statute? Constitution. It was created as an immovable object. And then the question I asked you last week was, 
how many rights does a U.S. Constitution give us? None. It is designed to protect the rights that are given to you by, not a king, but by God himself. Very interesting. So when we see this idea of an immovable object, now we know the statue of David, and I did study it, the toe was broken by somebody who broke in and hammered it. So an immovable object can be destroyed if it's not protected. Can the Constitution be destroyed if not protected? Now, those governed must participate. Listen, if you want a constitutional republic, those governed must participate in government. Boy, that got quiet. (laughs) If you want a constitutional republic, those governed must participate in the government. If they don't, the few will rule the many. If you don't know the constitution or how to protect it or how to defend it or understand what's in it and what you've been given and what is protecting, what is, what is protecting, then you are, you are subject to the whims of any other form of government to usurp that which you know nothing about. In the vacuum you create by your ignorance, any other form of government can come in. And we'll cover this later through this idea of autonomy, theonomy, and heteronomy, and pay attention when we get there, but not right now. So what I want to do tonight is I want to take a look, and let's go to the Declaration of Independence if we could. I want to take a look at the Declaration of Independence, and we, we provided for all of you, and I, I didn't get one because I'm 53, and the, the font is way beyond my ability. And looking around the room, it's probably the same with many of you. But it is a gift from us, and you're welcome to keep it. It has the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and Northwest Ordinance. It's all contained in there, and it's free for you. And by the end of it, there'll be something you can refer to on a number of occasions, and I would really appreciate it if you would apply that, especially local government. I want to tell you the power of local government, the governed participating in the government, what can happen. Uh, Blakely, come on up here, dear. This is fun. This happened this week. Here you go. It's on. So tell me where we saw each other and what you asked me to do. I don't um, even remember where we were. I was here at church. Oh, it was Sunday. <laughs> it was Sunday. I actually go to church here. She does. Um, yes. In my neighborhood. Now, I was busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest, and she true. just worked her way to the front. Uh, but I did. anyways. Yes. And I came up to Rob, and I said, I need to talk to my council member. And I was in the pulpit. That's just not fair. <laughs> He was outside. Yeah, okay. And so I explained to him this issue in my neighborhood where we have a brand new neighbor who's moving in. They sold their house, new people coming in, and suddenly there's an alcohol application to sell alcohol in the middle of my residential neighborhood. So we have 30 days to, you know, complain about it or whatever, to write to Sacramento. That's way up there. So I said to my husband, I'm going to talk to my council member because he will... Give me some assistance to tell me whether this is we legal. We got Pick it up. There's an ordinance, and so he did. And so I, he said, email me, and I did. And um, Tuesday, two days later, I had an answer from Thousand Oaks City Government, and I responded to them, and they're following up. So it's it's you happening. The, There's action now. Face to face isn't local government the best? And, and if we held to the original idea of the Constitution itself, the local government was to be protected. Authority was to be pushed down to the people. Now we put it up to the top. Imagine if she had to go to a Congress member or a senator to try to get an answer. Take a number, right? So let's give Blakely a hand. 
I can always count on you, Blakely. All right. So let's take a look at this final cause of what is America. This is the inspiration for Michelangelo's love for, for the founders uh, who were the efficiency cause. They're the ones who put this together. They came up with this document that they formed. And this was a declaration of independence. And let's take a look at it. For many of you, it might be the first time we've read it. Uh, July 7, 1776, we say July 4th is when we celebrate it. Ultimately, it took almost over a year for all of them to sign it. And so we're going to take a look at it. When in the course of human events, what, what does that mean? Any time in the history of mankind. This isn't, this isn't specific to the United States of America. This is a declaration that is for all mankind for all time. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people. Does it say the United States of America? No, it's speaking of any people gathering for what purpose? To dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the law of nature and of nature's God. So everyone write nature's God. Write that down if you're taking notes. This is the first time in the Declaration of Independence where God is referred to. Now, how is he referred to? Nature's God. And, and, and what are they saying? The, the separate and equal station to which the what? Law of nature. Of the three branches of government, which branch is supposed to be in charge of making the laws? Legislature. So let's put that down. This is a picture of Isaiah 33, 22. This is a picture, and you're going to see it in the Declaration of Independence, each of the branches of government. The first one is listed there. This would be considered the legislative aspect. So the law of nature and nature's God. Now, in the law of nature, I want you to ask this question, which I'll ask for you later. What is nature? Very, very profound question. And it is a very loaded word with deep meaning. The law of nature and nature's God entitled them a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to this separation. So we're appealing to the law of nature and nature's God, which we're going to have to take a look at because they have, they have cited something of significance and they're declaring an authority that the king must submit to. And then they point out why this has been violated. And here's what they say. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That's a Jeffersonian way of saying any idiot can understand this, right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Everyone understands this, that all men are created equal. Let's stop for a moment. I just watched on Monday night, the football game. Yeah. Anyone else watch it? And there's an interesting thing at the bottom of the screen that we keep an eye on. What is that? The score. And obviously one team isn't as equal as the other team. We keep a score. Is this correct? So when the founders speak of equality, let's look around the room. I'm 53. I'm graying. I'm looking at some who are younger, some who are taller, some who are shorter, right? Some have more money. Some have less money. Some are smarter. Probably all of them. And as we look around the room, there is a difference in all of us. What are they talking about? Does it mean we dress the same, walk the same, live the same from each according to his ability to each according to his needs so that we all look the same? What does that do to humanity? 
What does that do to the ability to achieve? Do you remember the question that I asked last week? And it's in the halls of Harvard Law School. And the question that I put to all of you was, what is the law? Raise your hand if you have the answer. Yes. The wise restraints. How old are you, son? 20. 20. And what about the rest of you folks who look like you have wisdom? (laughs) The wise restraints that make men free. And then the question that I asked you was, how do restraints make you free? How do restraints make you free? Pursuit of excellence. You apply restraint and in the founders or the ancients idea, you apply restraint to evil in order to pursue good or better yet excellence. Why do we tell our children that they have to do their homework? Hello? Maybe you don't. (laughs) We're in a lot of trouble. We want them to achieve excellence. We want them, ready? We want them to come to a full realization of their nature. We'll cover this a little bit later. But it's the wise restraints that make men free. So when we see this idea that we are all created equal, is it equal in capacity? No. No. That wouldn't work, and our founders knew it. It's equal. Here we go. Pay attention. Did I do that right? Equal. Yeah. I'll just make an A there. Equal in dignity. What is dignity? Dignity is this. The creator of the universe has ordained that you have rights. And those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of virtue or happiness. And the reason why I interchange virtue and happiness is because the founders did. You look at the definition of the 1700s for the word happiness, and this is that idea of virtue, pursuing what? Excellence. The freedom to pursue this. The freedom to be able to achieve that. Dignity is God gave you those rights. No man can take them from you. Because it says here that they're unalienable. Do you see that word unalienable? And that word in the middle of unalienable, L-I-E-N, what does that mean? Lean. Lean. Does anyone own a house? And you forgot a payment? Or I, When we went to sell our house, there was a water bill I had missed back in 2003, and they'd put a lien on my house for $17.60. <laughs> I had to pay that lien in order to sell my house. But there is no ability with these rights that God has given you to put a lien on them, which means no one can take them. 
and you can't give them back. They are yours by the dignity that God has put upon you. You were created in his image. Now, this is so different than any other government in that time on the face of the earth. Everything was a monarchy. The king, the divine right of kings, he was the one who had the authority to own the land, and you were his serf, his vassal. You did his bidding, fought his wars, paid taxes to him that he could live on the sweat of your labor. Right? You ever understand that? So it says, certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, and this is, this is the purpose of government, this is the purpose of government, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. If you don't participate in government, you are giving your consent to those in authority to do as they please. If you don't know the constitution, you have created a vacuum in order to allow those individuals to do as they please. You are giving them the proverbial hammer to crush the toe or the entirety of the sculpture sculpture itself. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends to destroy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or virtue, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as they shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So let me ask you this question before we go any further. What is a... what? I just put it right here. What is a country? Wow. <laughs> Who was born on their birthday? Raise your hand. Oh, one person was. Great. What is a country? One at a time. Raise your hand. Let's, this is chaos right now. Back here. Don't, don't bloviate. Just give me a shot. Land, people, and border. Group of people with a common identity. People under a common government. We are getting a lot closer over here. Citizenry. Yes? People under one rule. People under one rule. Does a country require laws? Yes. What you see in this Declaration of Independence is nowhere in here are they speaking of the abolishment of a government or the abolishment of laws. They're not speaking of anarchy. They're saying that there is a set of laws, nature's laws, that the king himself has violated, and we are required to abolish that in order to secure the happiness that shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. When any government violates these laws of nature and nature's God, it is the right and the obligation of the people to secure the happiness and the safety of their citizenry. The point is this, people say, well, a country has borders. Well, I don't know about that nowadays, but a country is a group of citizens who have united under a standard of laws. Now, I am the king and I make a law. Now, that law can be good or you've heard the the king of England had the, the prima nocta, first night. 
man and a woman marry, but the king has the first privileges with the wife. Is that a good law or a bad law? Can we take that off of the recording? (laughs) You remember when Herod made the decree to kill all children under the age of, is that a good law or bad law? Says who? Really? Listen, if there's good, there's evil. Now, I always get a kick out of letters that are sent to me saying, you are evil. And they say, and we don't believe in God. And I say, well, evil and good are metaphysical terms, and you're dealing strictly with a physical universe, so you can't use those terms. You're not allowed to. And where do you get your standard of good? Says who? Now, those in authority can say what is good and what is bad, but ultimately, if there is a supreme being and there are laws of nature and nature is God, that is the authority according to our founders. Now, they wanted to avoid something here, and we'll get to it momentarily, because in a pluralistic society, they also, why wouldn't you just say a good law would be everybody in the land must be a Christian? That's called the Inquisition, and that was awful, and it didn't work. I was over in Spain, and you see where you have a church, and then you have a synagogue that was designed as a church where they pretended like they were going to church, but they were, they were Jews, and they were doing what they were doing regardless of the law. It was, it was a terrible law, and our founders understood you, you can't enforce that. We want to create a land where even if you don't agree in the existence of God, you would still have the ability to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or virtue. So they created this. Now, what is a country whenever any form, and and it goes through this, let's go back to this. Um, Yeah. When, when, I think it's at the end here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter, abolish it, and to institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as they shall seem most likely to affect the safety and happiness. And so the, the Declaration of Independence does not contemplate life without government. We need to live under law. You're going to live under laws wherever you are. You're going, whether you're in North Korea or in the United States of America, you're going to live under laws. They may be good and they may be bad. And in the history of mankind, the history of the world, most governments and the laws themselves have been bad. And people have put up with them. They've put up with them. Why would anyone subject themselves? You look at, the, you look at North Korea and South Korea. They're on the same peninsula, the, 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 the same people type, same language. Actually, North Korea has more agrarian land than South Korea. They have more farmable land after the the Korean War when the the divide was made. They have more uh, agricultural land in the north than they do in the south. One has the 11th largest GDP, gross domestic production on the face of the earth, and the other is 152nd in the world. Their people are eating grass and starving. What is the difference? The government. 
a government. And so one have freedom and the others don't. One, their people are starving. And how does, how does he keep them under his authority? Well, first of all, he holds the world off with a fear of this weapon. And secondly, he subjects his people. You invade our borders, we will create havoc on the earth, right? So we need to live under law, whether those be good or bad. You need good laws, as we saw. You need good laws in order to excel and to achieve the fullness of the nature in which you were created. We want our children to achieve, don't we? Is there anyone in here who wants to give birth to a child and say, I can't wait for you to be homeless? (laughs) Every mother who's held their baby in their arms, regardless of the condition of their life, has looked at that child and wanted the greatest things for them. Yes? Now, we as a society are looking at 43 suicides in Ventura County, 11 right here in the Conejo Valley of our youth. So something's amiss. We want our children to achieve excellence. We want them to succeed. And how do we do that in the form of a, of a group of people agreeing to common laws? What do we do? So the Declaration of Independence that we've read, <clears throat> they say it is the right and the duty to kick the king out. And it opens with any people, any time. This isn't specifically for the United States of America. This is for the world. And, and when they did this, there was already a writ for their arrest. And they, they did it in Philadelphia. And, and, and later, they would sign the Constitution, this, this same location in Philadelphia. And there was a writ for their arrest, and they would be apprehended, not by the police, but by the army. And they'd be taken back to England, and they'd be tried by a jury of strangers. And their lives were on the line, and they were already in trouble. And so it gets to the conclusion of the Declaration of Independence. And I want to get to it. Let me just show you a couple of these. The king has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing the manly firmness, his invasions on the rights of the people, quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, imposing taxes on us without our consent. All of the three branches of government are listed here in the negative by how the king is not doing proper government. Suspending legislatures. Here you see the title Supreme Judge. This is another title. Right here you see creator listed. So you have creator, you have uh, nature's God, and you have right here, supreme judge, right? Supreme judge, what branch of government? Judicial. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress Assemble, appeal to the supreme judge. Who are they appealing to? The supreme judge of the world to rectitude our intentions, do in the name by the authority of the good people of the colony, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown. It goes through this whole idea with commerce and, and entering into agreements. But watch this. And for support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of divine, they're relying on God. Here we go. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. What are they pledging? Literally, yes, one word, everything. And who are they pledging that to? Each other. Any men or women served in the military, please raise your hand. First of all, thank you. 
You ever see the series Band of Brothers? They fought for each other. They declared to each other. You guys have heard of Benedict Arnold? There was anything worse than a traitor. We are entering into this mutually with this understanding that we're appealing to the supreme judge and relying on divine providence, God Almighty. And that's important because when you're going to pick a fight with the greatest power on the face of the earth that just defeated the second greatest power, which was France, and you're an upstart group of 13 colonies, you were about to open up a can of whoop. And they better get all their ducks in a line. And they're, they're saying, this is right. And this is for all mankind. And there is a God, and he gives dignity to every man, woman, and child. And it is the purpose of government to protect that. Now, were they all saints? Not by a long stretch. We're going to cover a few of them. Interesting characters. Some were slaveholders. Interestingly enough, one in particular, Thomas Jefferson, was a slaveholder. We're going to cover one of his statements at the end of our time. We're at 734. I can get through this. Um, At the bottom, so what you have in this constitution that was signed in 1787 is you have generalities at the beginning when in the course of human events it becomes necessary and they start to lay it out and they, they lay out all the grievances and it's all generalities and this and this and this and this. And then all of a sudden they come to what scholars speak of as the utmost particular. We have laid out a case and now we're going to put fire to it. We're serious about this. This is going to reverberate throughout all the world It'll be a beacon of light, a nation of over 300 million people representing less than 3% of the entire world's population throughout history is responsible for more patents, more inventions, more symphonies, more Nobel Peace Prize winners. We've had the largest accumulation of wealth of any nation in the history of the world. We've sent people to the moon. This little group of folks South America has more natural resources than North America. We flourish, and they're all struggling. Same thing with North and South Korea. What is the difference? Government. Only one thing can can destroy the dignity of man, and that's bad government. Is the answer of equality that we are all equal in capacity or equal in dignity? Do we take away the ability for man to achieve? I'll give you an example. I showed this to you last week, but it's important to revisit these because repetition is a form of education. And the simple fact that you're here tells me that you didn't pay attention originally. Do you remember this? This is your paycheck. You get $100 a week in your paycheck. You go to a restaurant, and everything on the menu is $100 or less, which means you have the freedom. Freedom is having choices. Everyone say, freedom is having choices. You have the freedom to choose anything on that menu, but you open up your paycheck, and you realize Uncle Sam's already been there, and he took 25% of your paycheck. Now you only have $75. Or let's just say you're in a low tax bracket. He didn't take anything, but as you were going out to the car, somebody put a gun to you and took $25. Very nice of them, by the way. 
Whether it's a government or a robber, it's the same effect and pretty much the same thing. Now, let's increase the tax rate. And now you only have $50 in your paycheck because the government took 50%. And now they've taken 75%. And now you have $25. And what is it if they take it all and you work all day and someone else gets your money? You're called a a slave. And why is it dangerous? They say that the larger the government, the less the freedom, because you're paying. And let me show you why this is such an issue. It's called a first party, second party, and a third party purchase. All right. See that? Mel, you have a watch on? You do. Could you stand up to everybody your watch? This is Mel Crone, Semper Fi, Marine. Thank you for your service. Also works with Boy Scouts. He's got a watch on. Hold up your hand. Show him your watch. Did you buy that watch? Yes. Did you buy it for yourself? Yes. With your own money? Yes. So this is a first-party purchase. Mel bought a watch. Keep standing. Mel bought a watch for himself with his own money. So he looked for two things. He looked for a really good price. He shopped it with all of the benefits, right? He wanted, I don't even know what it is, but you you know, waterproof. You wanted a scuba diving watch. Perfect. Thank you. Did we arrange this? I just want everyone to know (laughs) this is real magic happening here. Okay, we'll get to that. I'll do the teaching and the comedy, so just (laughs) hold it. So you purchased a watch with your own money, and you look for all the bells and whistles, so you wanted the best quality at the best price. That is the most efficient form of purchase because he's not going to waste his money. Why? He worked for it, and he wants the most for his money. Yes? Okay, now let's have your wife stand up. Now you're going to buy, oh, this is the same thing. Sit down. It's not going to work. It's community property. Sit down, Mel. We're going to do it another way. Do we have a, a, um, a parent with a child here tonight? Would, the, would you stand up, parent and child? Okay. So what's your name? Cade and Julie. Julie. Okay, Cade and Julie. Cade, you're going to buy a computer, but you're going to use Julie's money. And Cade is going to go for it. He's going to get every bell and whistle he can think of, and he's going to get overnight shipping, right? And Julie's going to get the bill. This is called a second-party purchase. Julie, don't sit down yet. Is that an efficient way to do things? Right. Wouldn't you like it if he earned his own money and bought his own computer? I'm not picking on him. Just help me here. I'm not... It's illustrative. <laughs> right, and he would appreciate it more. That which, you've, which you esteem, that which you've received too easily, you seem too lightly. That is out of the American Crisis by Thomas Paine. So it isn't an efficient way to purchase. He's probably going to waste money. He's not going to shop it. He just wants it now. And mom, this is the best one. I got to have it now. Blah, blah, blah. Check and done, right? 
Thank you. Good. This is inefficient, but this is the worst. This one is where you're going to buy something for somebody else with somebody else's money. So if you're a boss and you have a secretary and and uh, you're angry that everyone comes in late, so you've established this principle in the office that anyone who's late has to put a dollar in the kitty. And when you're late, you put a dollar in the kitty, and it's amassed to $150, let's just say $200. And at the end of the month, there's an employee of the month, a person who's shown up on time, and they award out of that kitty uh, an award for that employee of the month. So Susie's eating her sandwich. She's the boss's secretary. She's eating her sandwich. She understands that Bob's going to win the award. She hates Bob. She just hates him. He's... He's just nerdy, and he's always on time, and it really upsets her, and he ruins, she, he ruins the curve for everybody. And she's eating her sandwich because she's got 15 minutes, and she knows that the food that they serve is terrible, and she's going to be so busy, she won't get a chance to eat. So she's eating her sandwich. The boss comes in and says, you know, I forgot it was the employee of the month day, and we're having a company meeting. I'm going to need you. I didn't do this. I'm going to need you to take the $200 and go out and get Bob a gift. So she takes the $200, she goes out, and she, she wants to get back to her sandwich, so she looks for the closest shop, there's a stuffed animal store, she goes over there, puts down $200, buys a six-foot pink bunny rabbit, $199, puts it all in her pocket, walks back with this thing, stuffs it in the break closet, doesn't give a rip about it, closes it, I got an award done, he didn't tell me what I was supposed to buy, I'm done, I got it. Everybody says, hey, Bob's employee of the month, let's see what Bob won, they open up the closet, pull out six-foot pink bunny rabbit, Bob's like, I don't want a six-foot pink rabbit, you know, Susie's laughing, everyone else is getting a big kick out of it. And everybody's money was wasted, and Bob goes home with something he doesn't want. Completely a waste. By definition, every purchase the government makes is a third-party purchase. Anyone ever dealt with the IRS on the phone? Are they unbelievably helpful? And they answer right away, don't they? You understand this? So why do we have government? Because there are certain things that are necessary. They're going to go through this in the Constitution to provide for the common defense, right? There are certain things government is supposed to do that we can't do for ourselves, but it's limited. Let me ask you this. Would you do better if we gave you all your money and your tax rate was lower and the government stayed within its boundaries? And would we do better if the authority to make decisions was at the local level and you could talk to somebody like Blakely did? Now, we think the answer is bigger government, but the higher up it goes, the smaller we become. And this is the problem because the idea is to protect the freedom, the choices, and the rights, and the liberty of mankind. So this is a big deal. War is pending. I've got 16 minutes. War is pending they pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. They move from generality to utmost particulars. And they look at this idea of imposing taxation without representation. All the chief elements of the Constitution are in here, but in the negative, because the king is doing all three branches of government. He's making laws that are unjust. They lay out this, and then they pledge, we are going to fight it. Now, let me stop for a moment and pause for emphasis. If you don't like the government you have and you don't vote, I, as an elected official, could care less. Now, as a human being, I care. But quite honestly, if you're not going to engage, you have no voice. I can't hear you. 
I'm just going to talk in generalities because I am a minister, and we talk about evangelical Christianity in America. There's a 65 to 85 million evangelicals. Of those, only half are registered to vote. And of those, in a presidential election, 24.6% vote in a presidential election. In a non-presidential election, 12% vote. And we just decry the direction of the country, and we don't vote. I can't hear you. What do you have? You have a voice, and you don't exercise it. You have a voice, you don't exercise it. I say this to pastors. They say, politics is dirty. I go, so is the church. <laughs> what does that mean? That you don't participate? And, and I take them to their own scriptures. Second Timothy says, pray for kings and those in authority. First, uh, First Timothy, pray for kings and those in authority that live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. I say, okay. So that's a pastoral epistle that, that Paul is giving to Timothy, telling pastors how to operate. So you pray for the kings and those in authority, live quiet and peaceful lives. So that's, everyone agree with that? And all the pastors are like, yeah. And I do this cross country. I go, okay, so would you name for me your five city council members and your five school board members and the issues that they're dealing with in your local community that would allow for quiet and peaceful lives and godliness and reverence? And they can't name them. You hear crickets. Tonight, I could ask that question. Can you name your five council members? And I'm not going to ask you to do it, but can you name your five council members? Could you pick a school board member out of the audience? I could see one here tonight. Do you know them by name and do you know the issues they're dealing with? Well, if you don't like the government, you're the governed. And if you don't participate, you leave a vacuum in a representative form of government, a constitutional republic where you're created equal, having dignity to be able to see the government is to protect that. And you have this statute, statue, immovable constitution to protect these rights given by God. And you don't even know what's in it. Now, all of you, as I said last week, I commend you. You're here because like me, you want to know. And I think America wants to know again. We've stopped teaching it in our schools. Now I've got 13 minutes, so let's move on. The king was trying to be, be all three branches of government, as we saw, especially in Isaiah 33, 22. The king was trying to do this, and the laws that he was enacting were not in accordance with the, the, the laws of nature. And the source of the law was the king, and they appealed to a higher authority, and they said, the law of nature and nature's God. So what is nature? And this is an important one. What is nature? Living things that come to maturity. So it can be anything from a seed to the cosmos. It is a loaded word, as I said before. It could be a little seed or the cosmos itself. And what does a seed need to realize its full nature? Water? Soil? Light? No. Air? We don't, yeah, we want it protected from the wind. Not DNA. Okay, let's back up. So, so these are things that, that you have to tend to this plant in order for it to achieve its full nature, its, 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 its full purpose. Natura, which is the Latin for that idea, means the process of beginning and growth by which living beings come to be completely and fully, in a sense, as human beings, realizing their nature. So the law of nature, a thing has a way of growing. Under which conditions does it grow well? We can look at a California redwood. We can look at a valley oak or a coastal oak, which are very precious. We have uh, Conejo oak tree advocates that protect our oak trees. 
I remember sitting through a six-hour meeting on the circumference of oak trees and protecting them and having that conversation, and they know what's necessary, and they've really gone to great lengths to study them to protect these endangered species for many aspects. And so we look at this and we say, what is necessary for conditions for it to grow well? And so when it says all men are created equal, and then it appeals to the law of nature and nature's God, what did they mean? We're not equal in capacity, but we're equal in dignity. And I covered this. So uh, can we go to the next set of slides? Can you guys do that for me real quick? I want to take you to a picture and ask you a question. Are we there? Good. What is the difference between a dog and a child? One is easier to raise and live with. (laughs) I I love this picture because it gives you the answer. What's the child doing? Reading. We're the only creatures that have the ability to speak. When I say speak, beyond, as Aristotle said, to communicate our pain or our pleasure. Uh, my old dog, Buddy, he's, he's getting along in age, and he comes up to me, he looks at me, and I know exactly what he wants, and it's kind of disgusting, but bear with me. I take my little finger, I put it in his ear, and I rub it on the inside. He's like, he goes, <sighs> and then he leans and gives me the other one. I go, and he goes, <sighs> oh. and Dutch, who's not even nine months now, and he's twice the size of Buddy, he comes up to me and goes, that looks kind of good. Can you do that for me? <laughs> now, he doesn't use words. He just puts his head in there, and I do that, and he goes, oh. And then they come in in the morning, they make noise, and I'm so happy. I'm happy to see you. There's pleasure and there's pain. And they have a limited ability to communicate. And Aristotle said the gift of speech, which is identical to reason and rationality, are the same thing. When you're talking, you're thinking. Animals use their voices to indicate pleasure and pain, Aristotle said. People speak to distinguish. Ready? People speak. Pay attention. People speak to distinguish just from the unjust. And so the king establishes these laws. Everybody salutes him and everybody fears him. But his laws are just or unjust. They listed them in their grievances, didn't they? And as human beings, given this dignity and the ability of, unlike any other creature on the face of the earth, they say, this is wrong. Now a child, different from a dog, if they're brought into the house together, a puppy and a baby, and they grow up together. And, and the dog observes everything the child's learning, and the child observes everything the dog's learning. And by the age of two, the child's forming words. One of their favorites is no. The second favorite is mine, right? The dog doesn't have the communicative ability. Now the child comes to a place where it starts to recognize sounds and sees marks on paper of the equivalent and can communicate an idea in silence by writing. So this, this intelligence passes from one person to the next without the voice being said, but it's by writing. And an educated populace starts to come about. And we're going to cover this later that the very first public school act in the United States of America, <laughs> interesting one, and it wasn't the United States of America, in, in the development of America was called the Old Satan Deluder Act. And the whole purpose was they said that evil would ensue in a population when the children were illiterate and ignorant. 
The very first public school textbook was called the New England Primer. You can Google it and get a copy of it. Get one in modern English because the F's and the S's are the same and it's so hard to read. But I want you to get it and, and I want you to see what was required to graduate from grammar school. And I don't think anyone in the room could answer three of the questions. And all of them are pertaining to character. And the book was this tall, this wide, and that thick. And the entire group of people, our founders, were all educated on the New England Primer. And we'll cover that as we go further along. But I wanted to establish this idea. So this child comes to a place where it begins to reason and calculate. And it comes to this idea of creation and order. And this idea of its nature. And to obtain its full nature. And the realization of it. Why do we have laws? Why is restraints that... Make men free. Applying restraints towards evil in order to pursue good or excellence. You remember the illustration, Tom Brady, unbelievable comeback, Super Bowl history. He had the freedom to enjoy football at a higher level of excellence than I do. Because while I was sitting in the lounge chair with a bag of potato chips and a soda watching the game, he was practicing. He applied restraint while I was indulging If your kids sit in front of the idiot box all day long and don't do their homework, they get an F. You apply restraint. There's no television on a school night. Why? To pursue excellence. We instill this in our children. If we lower the bar and say, well, equal is capacity. So let's all be the same. We take away incentive. If Ted over here is getting an A in his class and Bob's getting an F, and he does his homework and studies and he doesn't do squat. And I say, you know what? I'm, I feel bad that Bob's getting an F, so I'm going to take two grades from Ted and give you a C, and you'll have a C, and we'll, from him according to his ability to him according to his need, and we'll both have a C. Well, that's all well and good, but what's Ted going to do next week? <laughs> Nothing. Why bother? And what's he going to do? Who's going to give me my grade? (laughs) So we come to a place where we no longer say thank you. And the amazing thing is, when you work for it, you appreciate it. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't to be help and there's to be, you know, that extended. But the idea is, this was a framework that we've survived now for two Well, the Declaration of Independence is 241 years, the Constitution 230 years. And so here we come to a place where it boils down to the law of nature and nature's God. We want to achieve what we've been designed to do and to pursue excellence. And governments are instituted among men for these purposes. Not to do the bidding of the few by the work of the many, They're there by our consent, but if we don't participate, then they rule over us and we become their slaves. And the larger the government, the smaller the citizen. It seems like it works that if government can fix it all. Did you know that 82% of the work that is happening after Hurricane Harvey isn't done by the government? We we sent a team of nine, eight. They're in Texas right now in Houston. They're fixing houses from our own church, paid their own way. 
The government is now moving on to Irma, and then they're going to have to go to Maria. And they're limited in what they have. But citizens participating change the community. So we're down to three minutes, and I wanted to leave a chance for some questions tonight. Anybody have any questions? A lot to cover. Anybody? Yes. Yeah, it keeps dropping. Productivity drops everything. Yes. <laughs> Any anyone else? There's no questions so far. That was kind of a question, but it was more of a joke. But it was good. I liked it. Both of them. Great. One more. Yes. Everybody's starting to get it. I think we're all disillusioned. I don't care if you're left or right or in the middle. I think we're all disillusioned and dissatisfied with the state of affairs. We don't like the division. We don't like the destruction. We're being pitted one against another. We don't like it. And I think this speaks to what we want as a community. I, I would hope tonight that people who are in the audience are, 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 the, are the polar opposite of me politically. And that's what I love about the city council. I would say Mayor Claudia Bilde LePena and myself are, are, in a sense, political op- opposites. We operate in the context of civility, and I so deeply appreciate that woman, and we contend with one another. And we do. And yet we do it in such a manner that we come to an understanding, and we don't attack each other's character. We have to get back to that. And you know one of the reasons why it's easier to pick on someone at the federal level, at the state level, and to be caustic in an election and be so critical is because you don't shop with them. Claudia lives in my, my town. She's my friend. People aren't the enemy. They're the opportunity. We have to, we have to all look at these and say, we're under. this is the salad dressing of what is America. This is it. And that's why we're examining it tonight. And we're going to do it in the weeks ahead so that we can all come to an understanding so, uh, I got a minute left. Anything else? I promise I'd end a date because I know you guys have things to do. One more question? Yes, back here. Yes, it did. She said, Did the statistics in the last election improve with evangelical voters? And the answer is yes, it did. Not much. Three percentage points. Yes. Oh, really? That is a tough call. Yes, I will. Uh, back here. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was there last night. I wish you'd been there. We were fighting for Calam Water that wants to raise your rates. And there wasn't anybody but four people that testified last night. And we were fighting, all of us were unified to defend the city against the, the, the CUP, uh, PUC, Public Utilities Commission, I always get it backwards, dyslexic, lisdexic, <laughs> Public Utilities Commission. And, and yes, I, I, he's there, uh, uh, Tom comes, Ted comes, I would love to have you sit there. Every other Tuesday. 
We'll be there next Tuesday because we have three meetings in a row. City Hall. Yeah. Yes. Nothing. I would like it that the government wouldn't do that. I think the public should do that. Yeah. We'll make it happen here. We're already on it. All right. Uh, and I, I'm going to shut it down. We, we, there was a question back there? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were pointing to somebody. Sorry, Brett. Brett, I, I, I was told I'm not allowed to say anything. Yeah, well, it, it, it's the second anniversary of her 25th birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to... Where is she? She's in the back. Happy birthday, dear Michelle. Happy birthday to you. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week. It's 8.02. I went over. My bad. But thanks for singing. Oh, Lord... Bless these folks. Thank you for them. Thank you that they sang my wife happy birthday. But more importantly, Lord, thank you that they have a love for you and a love for this community and a love for this nation. And so God, help us to come to an understanding with the gift you've given us of a constitutional republic. And we thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.